So let's just do that. All right, well, good to be back with you. Uh, sixth graders, let me hear some noise. Okay, nice. Seventh graders? Eighth graders? Eighth graders, take the win. Okay, exciting stuff coming up. We have summer camp coming up. We have a dodgeball tournament coming up. Are you guys excited for that? Big prizes, inviting your friends. And next week, we have Game Tross, which is going to be bigger this week. Sunday, for me, Sunday ends the week, and then we go into a new week. This week, this Wednesday, Game Tross, invite your friends. Sawyer is inviting her neighbor, right? Awesome, because she told me. I talked to people. Um, okay, today, we, so we ended our Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11 uh, series, and today we're starting kind of a new series, going through some uh, different topics, uh, and today starts a two-part series of ordinances. Do you guys know what that is? An ordinance? Um, okay, so, so there's two ordinances. Uh, I'm jumping ahead, but there's two. Does anybody know what, what they are? An or, well, let me say this first. An ordinance is something that God commands believers to do, to, to exercise their faith, to show their faith. And there are two ordinances in which God gives us believers today. One of them, which we'll talk about today, is communion. communion. Okay, thank you. Uh, and the other one is? Baptism. Okay, so today we're going to look at communion. Next week we'll look at baptism. And we're looking at this for a few reasons. Because it's important for us to understand as Christians. And because every Sunday uh, some of you are taking communion. And so I want to know if you really understand what you are doing by taking communion. What the purpose of communion is. And if you should be taking communion. Okay, so... As God says to Job, I'm just on this Job kick, gird your loins, buckle up, pay attention, and take good notes because this is important for you today, and you need to be able to make a decision by the end of this uh, service as you go into the next service and say, am I going to take communion today? Is it right for me? Do I understand what it is? Uh, and you need to be able to understand that and make that decision today, okay? So to begin, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to look at verses 17 through 34. It's in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 11. First Corinthians 11, starting verse 17. Let me read it for you. Verse 17. But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. 
For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I will not praise you. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. This is the very word of God. So let's pray, and then we'll dive in and study it. Father, thank you so much that you allow us to come to church each Sunday and to learn from your living word. Lord, thank you. Uh, As you focus our minds now, as you shift our hearts to your word, help us to apply these truths to our heart. Help us as we look at this topic of communion, maybe something we've never even thought of before or learned about before. Help us to understand it, to understand its purposes, and to help us make a choice at the end of this and realize if we should be taking communion or not. Um, Lord, we need your word to be revealed to us in order for us to properly understand it. So help us now as we look at your word on the topic of communion uh, in 1 Corinthians. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. As we study this passage, my prayer is that we answer three questions. Okay, we're going to answer three questions. We'll go through this so you don't have to write them all now. But number one, why are we learning this? Number one, why are we learning about communion? Number two, what is communion? What is communion? Number three, am I ready to take communion? Okay, so we'll walk through this. Let's start with the first question. Number one, why are we learning this? Why are we taking a Sunday morning to talk about communion? Every Sunday, we have, uh, we sit in the service, we uh, listen to some songs, And then all of a sudden we grab these little things and we just have a a small little snack. It gets us, it helps us like for the rest of the message, right? That's what this is for. Like we have a little cracker and a little juice and it just helps us like with our hunger so our tummy doesn't growl during the service, right? Is that what it's for? 
No, it's not for that. Why are we learning about communion? We are learning about communion because my fear is that you either have not been taught about communion. Raise your hand if you've never even learned about communion before. Some of you. Okay. Or my fear is that you have learned about communion and in ignorance, you have not paid attention to the purposes of communion. You have forgotten its purposes. You have forgotten its importance and you don't take it seriously each Sunday. And that's a danger because God gives us a warning if we do not do it rightly. Okay. So that's why we're learning. This is what we see in the first part of our passage today. It says in verse 17, look down at your text. First Corinthians 11 says, but in giving this instruction, I do not praise you because you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you. And in part, I believe it for there must also be factions among you so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's supper for in your eating, each one takes his own supper first and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I will not praise you. Paul is saying here, I will not praise you because you have completely distorted and ruined what communion actually is. You have taken the Lord's Supper and you have made it into a joke. Okay, you're going into a Sunday morning, you're taking communion and you have no idea what it means and you are not taking it seriously at all. Paul says, I know that there are divisions among you and you are fighting with each other. You are bickering with each other and yet you still choose to take communion, which is not right. You may be going through the motions, breaking some bread, right? Taking a little bit of juice and proclaiming some of Jesus's words, but you are not actually taking communion the way the Lord intended you to take communion. Students, this is the fear. Communion is serious. Not everyone should take communion. And those who are allowed to take communion must make sure that they are doing it with the right heart. So, so we'll examine what does it mean? Uh, am I allowed to take communion according to the Bible? And am I doing it with the right heart? Communion is not a Sunday snack. Can you say that with me? Communion is not a Sunday snack. All right. If you learn that today, then that's good. Uh, but we're going to learn more. Okay. Uh, and if you treat it that way, the Lord will not be happy with you. So why are we learning about this? Because communion is important. We're going to be faced with the option to take communion right now in the next service. And you got to choose, am I going to take it or not? Okay. That was number one. Number two, what is communion? What is communion? Communion, as I said before, is an ordinance given to believers by God. Basically, an ordinance is a ritual or a practice that God commands every believer to obey as an exercise and a showing of their faith, right? If I'm a new believer and I want to show everybody my faith because I love Jesus and I want to proclaim his name and I want to show everybody what he did in my life, then I'm going to do these two ordinances. I'm going to get baptized because I, I want to show the body what Christ has done in my life, 
Uh, I want to show that bringing of a new life. And I want to take communion regularly like the Bible commands me to so that I can remember the Lord's death and what he has done for me. Okay? There are only two ordinances given to us, baptism and communion. Baptism we'll talk about next Sunday. And these practices are only for the believer. Okay? These are only for those who are saved, only for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and who have repented and turned away from their sins. So if you're thinking, I'm just not sure if that's me today. I'm just not sure if, I've, if I have that relationship with God, if I've actually been saved. I've been struggling with that for a little while. I would say it's okay if you do not take communion until you are sure about that. Because a warning about taking communion wrongly is way worse than you just taking the risk, right? You don't want to take the risk and take communion wrongly. So let us use our passage to understand this ordinance better, okay? I have five subpoints. They're going to go fast, but we're going to describe what communion is by looking at the word of God as it describes it to us, okay? This is nothing of my own knowledge. I'm only teaching from the word of God, and that's how we learn all of the things that we need to know to live a godly life and to pursue Christ, okay? So look back at your text, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and look at verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was, what? Betrayed. Subpoint A, letter A, at night he was betrayed. Letter A, at night, he was betrayed. The night before Jesus Christ hung himself on the cross, he was hung on the cross to die for our sins. He hosted a dinner, the Lord's Supper, with his disciples. And Jesus points out here that one of his disciples, Judas, will betray him. He will betray him. And in Jesus' omniscience, which means Jesus is all-knowing, he knows that Judas, his disciple, whom he has loved and he's invested in, think about as like a friend you've just loved and you've cared for and you've taught him so much and he's been walking with you all of these years and all of a sudden you know that he is going to betray you, the one whom you love. He knows that Judas will eventually betray him and turn him into the authorities and that will eventually lead him to the cross to be killed. Is that pretty messed up? It's pretty sad, right? I point this out because this is actually a pretty significant detail. It highlights man's sin, right? We see Judas and how he had this awesome relationship with Jesus and he could have had like the best experience with him. He has Jesus as his teacher, as his friend, and he chooses to still obey him for 30 pieces of silver. You know what the going rate for that action was at the time? It was like 60 pieces of silver. So he turned in Jesus for half price, okay? Because it was convenient to him and because he is so sinful. And it's important to look at that because we are also sinful in the same way. And although we don't turn in Jesus to the authorities today, in a way we still betray him uh, when we sin against him like that. Does that make sense? So it highlights man's sin as we look at this betrayal, and it also highlights God's sovereignty, right? God knows 
what's about to happen. God knows he will be betrayed, but he also planned it. This was all planned. The location, the person who would betray him, this whole thing is a plan, a sovereign plan to lead Jesus to the cross and to eventually pay for our sins. Isn't that good news? This whole thing was according to his plan. So that was letter A. At night, he was betrayed. Letter B, Jesus took the cup. Okay, look back down at your text. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, the bread, and it said, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper. Now, there's a lot of background to this, okay? You, you could say a lot about this passage, obviously, but basically this is significant because Jesus takes the cup of redemption, okay? Jesus chooses to take the cup of redemption. Jesus changes things up at the dinner table. He changes the service order. Jesus takes the bread to symbolize his body and he breaks the bread to kind of foreshadow his own body being broken on the cross. And then he takes a cup that's full of wine and he uses it as a symbol for his blood and the blood that will be shed on the cross when he is hung there and he dies for your sins. So Jesus holds up the cup filled with wine. He uses it as a symbol, as a foreshadow of his blood. He holds up the bread, breaking it, symbolizing Christ's broken body on the cross, the cup symbolizing the blood of Christ that will be shed on the cross. This now symbolizes not only how God will save Israelites, but how God will save all people, right? He opens the door up to all people. This is pretty significant. This now foreshadows not only how Christ will redeem his people from the hands of slavery, but how Christ will redeem us from our sins. How Christ will redeem us from our sins. That is the cup that he took, the cup of redemption, and now he is redeeming us from our sins. Is that good news? Is that good news? Okay. I think it's good news. Let's move on. Letter C. This is the new covenant. This is the new covenant. Look down at our text, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25. It says, this is the new covenant. The old covenant, you might ask, focus on the law, right? Obeying the law, blessings for obedience, and curse for disobedience, right? That was basically the old covenant, focusing on the law. But now, this is a new covenant. So you're asking, what is the new covenant? The new covenant covenant which we are currently in right now and in jeremiah 31 it describes how this new covenant will no longer just be an external thing this isn't just about the law and obeying the law anymore but god will write his law onto our hearts this new covenant focuses on the heart not just obeying commandments the ten commandments but focusing on the heart God will write his law on our hearts as we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He will forgive our sin nature and he will not hold our sin against us any longer. Is that good news? That's good news. 
Letter D, in my blood. Letter D, in my blood. Look back down at your text. Again, verse 25. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. How does Jesus bring about a cup of redemption? He is going to die on our behalf. That is how he brings it about. How does he take the cup of redemption? He is going to die on the cross, a perfect man, because he loves you and because he wants to pay for your sins. He is going to shed his blood in his blood for your sins so that you might have a chance of building a relationship with him, having a relationship with him, and being led to heaven, salvation, Christ, instead of hell, torment, and pain forever. This is all done in his blood, in the work Jesus did on the cross, okay? He died for our sins, and then he rose again three days later to bring us new life. That is good news, right? It's good news, right? Okay. It's good news. His blood was sufficient for all, but his blood only applied to those who put their faith in Jesus Christ and repented of their sins. Letter E. Last point. Do this in remembrance. Do this in remembrance. Look back down at your text, what we are studying from, how we get any of this information. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay? What does this tell us to do? This tells us to partake and participate in communion regularly. And our church does that weekly right now. That's regularly for us. Okay? That's why we do it each Sunday. Um, so that we can be constantly remembering his great sacrifice for us. Remember, what is this communion focusing on? Christ and his death for us. And so we want to remember that good news each week. We want to remember it regularly. So that's why we take communion regularly. Letter A, he was betrayed. Man is sinful. God is sovereign. Letter B, Jesus took the cup. We now have the bread and the cup as symbols for Christ's body and his blood. Letter C, this is the new covenant. Communion changes from something that used to be external to something that is internal and focuses on the heart. It requires the heart. Letter D, in my blood, Jesus will bring about the cup of redemption by dying on the cross on our behalf. Letter E, do this in remembrance. We take communion regularly so that we can re- regularly remember his sacrifice for us. Okay? If you are truly saved by Jesus Christ and you believe in what he did on the cross, then you want to remember that. Right? You want to remember what he did for you. You want to focus on that great sacrifice. And that is why we take communion. Last quick question before we head into small groups. Number three. This is question number three. Are you ready to take communion? Are you ready to take communion? Look back down at your text. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 34. Verse 27 starts with, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body 
and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself. And in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemning, condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. First things first, again, communion is only for believers. If you have not been saved by Christ and you have not put your faith in him and repented of your sins, communion is not for you. Okay? You must focus on the cross first. Give your life to him. Repent of your sins. Have that relationship with Christ before you can take communion. And if you're unsure, I would say, wait until you're sure. Next, believers who do not participate in communion must make sure that they resolve any sin or disunity with other brothers and sisters. If you're fighting with your brother or sister, if you're fighting with a friend, if you're fighting with your parents, if you have hate in your heart for any reason, you should not partake in communion because that is what is called unworthy manner, okay? And that is what will be judged if you partake in that way. Understood? You have to take it in a heart where, where it's clear, your conscience is clear, you're right with your other brothers and sisters in Christ, and you're remembering the Lord together with a clear heart and conscience. Um, and you may be thinking, well, I'll just, uh, I'll take communion now. I know there's like, I've been fighting with my brother or I've been fighting with my friend and I have a little bit of hate in my heart, but I'm just going to take communion now. And then afterwards, um, I'll uh, resolve that issue. And I would say, no, is that the wrong order? That's the wrong order. Do not take communion. Resolve that issue with your brother or sister first, whoever that person is, and then you can take communion. Knowing all this now, okay, each one of you knows what the scripture says about communion. If you fail to obey this ordinance in the proper way, then the Lord says that for believers, you will be judged for doing it in an unworthy manner. Correct? This is serious. This is not a joke. You must be certain you are ready to partake. And if you are uncertain, hold off and wait. The danger is just too great to be unsure. Okay? Do we understand what communion is? Communion focuses on the Lord's death and what he did for us. That's the main thing. Okay? If you want to focus on anything about communion, know what it symbolizes. It symbolizes Christ's death for you, that he died for you because he loves you so much. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to come on earth, a perfect and sinless man, and to eventually be betrayed mocked, scorned, and hung on the cross to die for our sins. Thank you, Lord, that you provided that great sacrifice for us. And now, 
all we must do in order to uh, benefit from that sacrifice, in order to receive the Lord's love, is to put our faith in Jesus Christ, what he did for us on the cross, truly believe and put our faith in that, and that he rose again three days later to bring us new life. We must have faith in that and believe in that. And we must repent from our sins, meaning we're turning away from our sins and we're turning towards you, God. We want to do things to glorify you because we love you. We have a desire to glorify you through all things. Help us today as we approach communion. Help us to make a decision on whether we should take communion or not. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.